0: Hi there, and welcome to Time for Chai, the podcast series where leaders in manufacturing, commodities, risk, supply chain management, and digital technology come to share truly actionable insight based on real world experiences. I'm your host, Jake Jacobs, Head of Growth at Chai. So today, I'm joined by Barry Maybank, Chief Digital Officer at the Manufacturing Technology Center. When it comes to digital technology in manufacturing, I'm sure that few would argue with me that Barry is a true thought leader who really sees the bigger picture and is able to kind of translate the big picture into the tactical on the ground action. Now, Barry and I first got talking at a fantastic MTC event. And to be honest, he actually helped me to shape a lot of my views regarding the adoption of digital technology in manufacturing. Barry was previously an industry leader for DXC in manufacturing and construction, and is a true advocate of the purposeful adoption of digital technology. Barry, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today and welcome. Thanks, Jake.
1: Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure.
0: No worries. at all. So, Barry, I really feel like there's kind of, you know, one place to, to really start. And we've got to talk straight away about the current situation, the state of manufacturing in the UK, but also what's next? What are the emerging trends that, you know, are coming? So I'd love it if you'd kind of open up with your thoughts on, on that.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jake. I mean, it's a really good question. I think a lot's been said already on, on the current situation. I know Nick Wright on one of your previous podcasts, you know, kind of commented on that. So I kind of want to draw that in. But uh, you know, in term in terms of trends, it's no good at the moment thinking, you know, blue sky, you know, this kind of kind of wide horizon. It is, but we need to kind of bring it back into practical application. I think applied innovation is a sort of terminology I kind of want to use that kind of innovate, you know, de-risk innovation as well, because not everybody can access innovation if you're a SME, for example. So I think there's a sort of general trend really about that applied innovation and and accessibility of that innovation and sort of in a dearest accelerated way. I think there's different ways of looking at the sort of trends, as it were. There's the kind of macro trends, which I think are still there, right? You know, the kind of net zero and sustainability. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think if we sort of look at different lenses, you know, kind of within that sphere, they're kind of overarching really. I think there's an industry perspective as well. Manufacturing it's a broad kind of panacea, right? It covers from pharmaceuticals and fast moving consumer goods, aerospace and defence. There's all sorts of realms, if you like, in manufacturing and each doing certain things and each responding, I suppose, to the current climate in different ways. Kind of an interesting industry is pharmaceuticals. You know, we're kind of all aware of vaccines these days, right? And actually how do we get vaccines to market is the biggest big challenge. So I think we're sort of seeing, for example, in pharmaceuticals, you know, really kind of looking out beyond their world and starting to look at the applicability of innovation within their process, you know, right from R&D and trials, which could be years, right? We all know, like you say, the current vaccine is probably going to be 12 to 18 months. That's a really accelerated trend scale actually. So there's a real challenge in pharmaceuticals to bring things to market in a a certain way very very quickly it's not just about the trials and the the r&d it's about the manufacturer as well so it's a good industry it's good in industry example very pertinent at the moment where i think things like digital twins the replica of something in the real world being applied Mm -hmm. i know for example they're looking at starting to use this in a kind of a very much applied way to create a replica of the, the human body and look at how drugs have been absorbed and how they're going to permeate the organs, right? I mean, it's quite an applied innovation, but, you know, digital twinning and using data to kind of transform the sort of R&D type type process the discovery process and the trials process is a real application that I think we can all relate to today in the sort of world we're in. And then right through to manufacturing as well. You know, we talked about AI before, Jake, as well. And I think we can bandy these terms around. It's really important to obviously kind of lock them in some sort of business, you know, kind of business anchor, as it were. Mm-hmm. That industry view is super important. So back to pharmaceuticals again, things like AI, I think he's been introduced into the kind of quality processes to start to look at the process of the manufacture mm-hmm. and start to support the kind of human interventions, if you like, with data and quality attributes. So all sorts of kind of, you know, kind of ways that maybe an industry are looking at the problem. So that's an industrial perspective. I think we need to start to really synthesize and create adjacency across industries and start to accelerate adoption by looking outside our current domain. Wow. I think another area, you know another lens if you like is for trends of adoption i mean ways of working i mean we all we all appreciate we're in a different way of working at the moment i think that really extends across the manufacturing value chain whatever mm-hmm. industrial specialization you're in so we're going to see a big change there and i know nick wright spoke really eloquently about sort of resilience in the supply chain you know, for example and organizations really need to be more on the front foot as best they can in terms of agility and flexibility. There's a really good example of that at the moment with the ventilator challenge. And again, it's something that people will have seen. And, and Dick Elsie, who's the CEO of the high-value manufacturing catapult, mm-hmm. the MTC a part of that network as well, in fact, collaborating in the ventilator challenge. So really sort of looking at a whole different approach to process design, the factory and facility commissioning, and capacity and kind of yield you know, ways of increasing value and digital is already kind of key part of that so it's kind of really interesting in this example of how things can be much more agile and things can be scaled and paced mm. you know they're using uh, and in fact you know some of the intervention of the high value uh, catapults using things like augmented reality with bringing technology companies, bringing ourselves into the mix to look at how expertise can be transferred very, very quickly. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So as we get a design, for example, we maybe explore the design of the process to build ventilators maybe in new ways so we can Mm -hmm. use digital interventions to simulate those and model those Mm -hmm. and start to look at efficiency gains before we start to commission in a physical way. Simulation and digital interventions from a model-based perspective and digital uh, twinning you know, right through to augmented reality, where maybe the factory process, because of social distancing, it can't be the same model. It can't be so many people. We need to look at how we train people Mm -hmm. and how we minimize physical contact. So things like augmented reality, to learn, to train, to adopt, you know, to kind of commission very quickly. So it's a really good example of, you know, driving things at pace and scale and forming different ways and building resiliency into what you're doing. Now, kind of overarching all that or underpinning all that is data. We, we all know about the, you know, the, the sort of challenge and opportunities that data kind of brings with it. So you could look at that in different ways. Obviously, there's the sort of technical challenge of how do you smooth the exchange of data. I think there's also different lenses as well. We're looking at the kind of connected value chain and and IOT and different ways of aggregating data. That kind of goes beyond the confines of your business, right, and and, and actually there's a big challenge and trend around democratization of data Mm -hmm. and really how we innovate, you know, beyond the kind of confines of the business, how we engage different partners and disrupt in different ways. So I think a big cha- a big challenge and a big change will be in this sort of partnership model, this ecosystem model, and how we bring different organisations together to disrupt and create, you know, real innovation. And I think that democratisation of data is a, is a sort of fundamental part of that. And interestingly, there's a couple of examples of sort of leadership in that space. Rolls-Royce are kind of leading quite a, a charge with their R-squared data lab as an example. And back to the pharmaceuticals, you know, again, how do you embrace skills across the world to kind of bring that multi-part, multi-existence to bear? So I think there's going to be some big change in the use of data to underpin those uh, those building blocks.
0: So, so... Absolutely fantastic opening comments there, Barry. And you know, just the amount of ground that you've covered, there's still so much for us to talk about. I think the examples there that you you said about, you know, the digital twins in pharmaceuticals very interesting. I mean, I've heard about digital twins in engine design and aerospace. I hadn't quite made the connection on, you know, pharmaceuticals. So that's very interesting. I think the point you're making around data right at the end of of that as well, so key, so crucial. And I really feel like companies modern companies regardless of what industry you're in you have to make sure your data is in the right state because it really is the lifeblood of organizations moving forward just a real quick one before i actually kind of move on i remember talking to sir clive dunhumby of dunhumby you know the um yeah yeah, exactly And, and he basically lays a claim to coining the term data is the new oil and he pointed out to me when we were talking that he feels as though he was misquoted because he didn't just say kind of data is the new oil. He also made the, you know, drew the parallel between unrefined data and unrefined oil. They're both useless. So it's very much about getting control of your data and and really kind of using it. Good analogy. Yeah. But it's a shame that it always gets kind of left out of the conversation.
1: I'm sure if you're in the oil and gas industry, they use it quite a lot, but uh, yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good point, Jake, you make really bring up.
0: You also mentioned there about kind of partnerships and the role of partnerships. Can you talk a little bit about how you feel businesses can actually really leverage partnerships with someone like the MTC? And also, you know, Nick and I spoke a little bit about kind of startups and smaller companies as well. Can you talk about the way that you see that kind of ecosystem fitting together?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it is really important, isn't it? That kind of partnership model, that ecosystem, you know, model for different reasons. Right? We just mentioned. You know data and exploiting data in different ways and i think you know again manufacturing is a little bit behind the curve we're seeing we're seeing big changes across industry in financial services and banking for example there's a real push around open banking standards Who, who'd have thought right you know with, with that, that sort of data and kind of criticality there's a real kind of push towards open standards such that organizations in in, in the right way you know obviously very secure way with GDPR can kind of collaborate and use data for the benefit of the kind of consumer, right? So we're seeing all sorts of open standards and collaborations in different ways, uh, in different industries, and FinTech is a good, another good example right, of using that data. Absolutely. Uh, from a manufacturing point of view, you know, we, are, we are kind of learning those lessons. and actually a big sort of push from the NTC and, and, and from myself as CDO. is really kind of engaging that ecosystem we have members and we have, we have partners and we have cross catapult initiatives, for example, with Digital catapult or AMRC in Sheffield, uh, National Composite Centre, for example. There's also, there's quite a rich kind of heritage, if you like, of bringing that together. But from an applied point of view, you need to drive that, you know, with a purpose as well, you know, which could be sort of strategic initiatives, but it could be about the end game. It could be about Driving impact to UK PLC, for example, yeah. part of our strategy at the NTC. Certainly, from a digital point of view, is to kind, of, kind of double down on that kind of impact uh, and kind of go beyond mm-hmm. the POC and kind of the inspirational part of our engagement. You know, we inspire, we accelerate and de-risk engagement and industrial exploitation, and we enable scale as well. Now, we can't do all those things you know, with our NTC hat We're not there to help run a business and sort of, you know, engage at service level. So that partnership is really important. So we need to be able to stretch our engagement such that if we are proving a solution, which might be new ways of working or assembling an integrated manufacturing solution,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that we need to be able to do enough to kind of shape the end game and shape the enterprise kind of model readiness Mm-hmm. But that partner ecosystem is fundamental there because you need to carry the reins and take that forward, for example. So partnerships play a role at different stages of the life cycle, you know, from innovation, from just getting a, a community of like-minded heads together to kind of service and impact and equity. Brilliant,
0: brilliant stuff. So, I mean, we've spoken there a bit about the kind of emerging trends and some of the positive aspects of manufacturing moving forward but i wonder if we can now turn to talking about some of the threats emerging in uk manufacturing what is it that you're wary about from that kind of perspective
1: yeah it's, it's a good point isn't it you can generalize threats there's a threat there's a risk opportunity kind of threat in everything we do right but uh, i think specifically you know from a from a digital you know digital enablement of, of business outcomes perspective I mean, there's quite a lot of threats i mean i can sort of think of two or three sort of themes if you like and certainly based on our current circumstances there is an opportunity i mean somebody quoted to me the other day in an industry let's not worth, you know waste the opportunity right there's a there's a pandemic pandemic here right And we're all trying to you know get our act together or in some cases you know save money and cash is king and you know there's different sort of challenges if you like but i think fundamentally there's let's not let's not stand still let's not let it pass and just bolster a few resilient policies there let's look at let's look at doing you know let's look at doing things if you like i mentioned the ventilator charge, you know i mentioned how we can maybe rethink in different ways and enabling different ways not everybody can has got the time though to try things and, and kind of fail right yeah. If you're a SME, you know, cash is king at the moment. You can't just you know, try things at fail. So I think there is a big threat of standing still, but there's also a big threat of not being able to access the knowledge or not being able to kind of take the risks or not being able to spend money that you haven't got at the moment. So I think there is a big threat, certainly in the sort of SME market space. And sort of, you know, SMEs make up 60 80% of UK manufacturing right in the value chain. So I think we need to look at ways of mitigating you know, those sort of threats uh, in different ways, and particularly for SMEs and kind of giving them that sort of de-risk kind of approach, as it were. Mm-hmm. So there are threats, and risks and mitigations here as well. And of course, we mentioned resilience in all this. And I think you can look at that in different ways. The operational side of things is, is key. And we've already spoken about that and I know Nick spoke about that uh, as well. There's also the security side things as well there's the mm-hmm. there's the cyber as of the the things as well which is a which is a growing threat right we hear of all sorts of things you know kind of happening you know kind of globally. And I think people think that the adoption of digital and, and it's right it's born in reality changes your you know your security posture you know your ability to respond and kind of act you know towards a risk you know the thought of Having IoT everywhere kind of changes the the boundaries of your firewall, right? So you increase your your vulnerability in different ways, not just people accessing your IP, but impacting your business continuity. So there's a number of angles that we need to maybe tackle and remediate from a threat perspective, and organizations like uh, the MTC, the high-value, Kind of capital and others. I think it's part of our remit really to kind of really help address those and kind of kind of enable organisations to adopt things at scale rather than having to rethink the problem and solution and the considerations. Mm-hmm. So certainly, we're looking at and actively engaging all manner of organisations of all sizes address some of those threats and help alleviate those threats.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you, you know, you made the point there about. Cash is king right now, and it's particularly difficult for, you know, small, medium-sized businesses to adopt digital technology and, and really kind of take advantage of some of these things that are out there. If someone was listening from one of those businesses, you know, what would you say to them? How where Where do they start? Because it's very easy when you're in that moment, when you're kind of really busy firefighting, trying to live kind of hand-to-mouth to just focus on that. Well, it's very, very difficult to step away from that and look at the bigger picture and look at where you need to be in kind of five, 10 years time and how digital technology takes you there. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a,
1: it's a good observation, Jake. I mean, I think we've all, got, we've all got our role to play in this. The UK government is really sort of stepping up, right? I think some of the, the schemes and support for businesses is kind of key. I think the leveling up challenge across, across the UK, you know, supported by the government is fundamental. Mm-hmm. And certainly the likes of ourselves are, are engaged in, in influencing policy making, and will continue to do that. Yeah. From the MTC's perspective, you know, I mentioned uh, or, or alluded to, we have a, an engagement framework. Uh, I kind of categorize it as, as inspire, accelerate and, and scale. And we've got great facilities. It doesn't cost anything to kind of come and see us and, t- and take advice. So, yeah. you know, part of it is about inspiring the other possible Part of it is about de-risking and accelerating your adoption
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, without necessarily having to invest capital expenditure or try and solve a problem yourself. So I would you know, I would advocate that organizations, large and small, seek out the likes of the high-value catapult. It's not the only uh, network in town, right, but it's a network as part of a wider ecosystem that can be engaged. And from a SME perspective, we have a team dedicated to, to, to helping SMEs. Brilliant. That brings funding to bear and and really kind of enables them to do things without taking unnecessary risk and looking at you know looking at failure as it were.
0: Excellent, really excellent stuff. So uh, I really think that people are very kind of wary of digital technology and they really see it as a nice to have. So uh, I know we kind of, you know we kind of covered that a little bit already, but what would you say to people? in that kind of position you know how do you think that we can really change that way of thinking and get people to appreciate that digital technology is so crucial right now
1: yeah and it's another good observation you make uh, jake and, and actually you know before before the crisis i think that you know there's there's a lot of you know people are wary of things i think we've got a lot of prototypes in the world that don't really go that far and can yeah. you know, realize value I think there's a lot of silos there's a lot of pockets I think a lot of it is, is technology driven you know might be great technology it might be a great potential solution but you know what, what, what are we solving so I think at the heart of this there are some you know some fundamental sorts so, of so back to basics I think it's about engaging clients from from our perspective into industry maybe in a different way you know I think and, and we are changing that engagement for, for example we we used to talk to the engineering crowd because we're very much about engineering and engineering disciplines. Yeah. But bringing digital into the equation for all the benefits and threats we spoke about kind of engages a different set of personas in an industry. Now I know in large organizations they, they've got different roles, whereas in a small organization, they might have one person, you know, wearing three hats, right? But you you know, we really need to bring the different personas together and engaging in a a wider conversation that brings in operations, you know, engineering and information technology. A lot of the time digital kind of falls into the bag of the the technologist and the sort of CIO team and those guys are keeping the lights on, you know, keeping services running and they're now thinking about how do they bridge from IT to the operational technology world. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a kind of engagement that needs to be uh, understood and you know sort of sort sort of driven forward i think there's the classic you know let's not forget there is a strategy that we need to kind of hook into and it's not digital transformation it's business transformation at the end of the day so i think we need to be careful not to detach these worlds we are talking about transformation but at a digital pace yeah so you know we're not talking about spending 12 months creating a strategy and a year creating a roadmap and horizon scanning for God knows how many months, etc. Et I think mm. we're talking about a different approach, but it is ultimately about business transformation. So I think we need to bed whatever we're doing in that sort of strategic endeavors, but but proceed at pace, as it were. You know, the sort of thing big starts small kind of approach, mm. I think is really, you know, you know, kind of really important. I think as well, you know, we sometimes we can sometimes do those things and we adopt a different approach, which brings in like a minimal viable idea, you know, minimal viable product or a factory line or a process. That's great. It's fantastic. But I think all too often we can kind of think too much about the low hanging fruit Mm -hmm. and it's great to serve the low hanging fruit, but sometimes the challenge is a little bit higher and more complex. So I think that kind of roadmap of looking at, you know, where we need to go to achieve those business outcomes and that kind of gap between capabilities we've got and capabilities we need to develop, along with looking at the kind of outcome-based initiatives. I think we need to bring that together in a different style. So, yeah, be wary, but, you know, let's not get hooked into the digital kind of shiny user experiential kind of things. That is definitely kind of part of the engagement model. Yeah. But it's much more meaningful and much more bedded-in business transformation.
0: Yeah, this is exactly kind of what I was talking about in my opening comments. You know, the exchange that you and I had at the MTC and the subsequent conversations afterwards when we were talking about how you make digital technology accessible. And the first step is very much figuring out what, what the point is of the technology and what the value is that you're trying to get out of it rather than just going after some huge leap into the future without a real clear business case behind it, I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and there's lots of organizations that can help with that, and, 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 they're, and they're all valuable. I mean, our, our position, if you like, and we do play a role, we're not exclusive in you know, our position, is we kind of engage quite early. You know, I talked about you know inspiring. I mean, that might might be just coming and seeing a factory line with uh, legacy equipment, you know, with digital interventions which drive operational equipment effectiveness or whatever the metric is. So I think it's, you know, I think it's, we need need more environments actually, more environments to to showcase what's possible and the lessons learned and kind of how we went about constructing these things. So I think there's a... There's new engagement models which the ecosystem, in you know, its broader sense, need to provide, and certainly that's an intervention that we provide, and and it leads to the next step, right? It leads to well, let's look at your world. Hmm. You know, what does it mean to your world, and how can we apply this so we can accelerate that life cycle even quicker and do risk it even quicker hmm. with assets and test beds and capabilities that people can just use. You know, as a, as, a, you know as, as a country, as an economy, uh, we can't be affording to solve silo problems and not inventing kind of hair syndrome. So there is a sort of cultural, you know, kind of cultural aspect to that as well.
0: Mm. No, absolutely. And I, I really think that the role the MTC and Digital Catapult and some of these other kind of almost, you know, third parties, like unbiased folk, Play is so important for really bringing UK manufacturing up together and sharing these learnings across the board. You know, what's the the saying? Was it all, all ships rise together with the tide, right? Is this kind of idea of everyone moving forward together?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Of course, you know, all organizations want to protect their IP, but Obviously. there is a level of team sport here, right? And I think you're, uh, you know, ships rising is a good metaphor as well actually so uh, yeah we need to balance our competitive edge of course we do but um, you know let's not let's not solve problems that have already been solved as well so how do you tap into that network you know to kind of help help address those and accelerate
0: absolutely absolutely brilliant stuff hello i'm stephen butler chief commercial officer at chai
1: Here at Chai, we're working hard to try and provide people like yourselves who are involved in the industry with the correct insights and data that will help you make the critical decisions in these uncertain times. If you would like to learn more about our service, please check out our company website,
0: chai-uk.com, or follow our market updates on LinkedIn. Thank you very much, and please enjoy the show. So um, just, you know, a few more kind of points that I wanted to raise. One of the things before we move on to practical advice is the debate around automation. Now, obviously, there's been a huge amount of talk around automation over the last, I'd say, a kind of few years. And now I feel like it's kind of been revitalized because of COVID-19, because companies that are able to just leave the machines running have quite a low footprint, human footprint are able to kind of rebound from this that much faster yeah mm-hmm. what do you think about automation but also as a kind of second part to that question the role that people can play in digital technologies in manufacturing moving forward as well
1: yeah it's, it's, it's a key point isn't it you know we want to bring uk manufacturing you know back to life i, I think it's um, i mean le- leveling up is a is, is a great term but you could apply that on a global stage you couldn't mm-hmm. think about manufacturing and it, and it depends what industry and, and what you're doing but there is a sort of trend towards a labor arbitrage you know business model on a global stage absolutely so arguably i don't think it's i don't think it's in it's contested actually you know arguably sort of skill sets and uh, the changes that automation kind of kind of enables you know right from physical robots on the factory floor talked about artificial intelligence you know driving kind of quality. There's now the advent of uh, analytics, process automation, so you know orchestrating business processes, but using you know AI and analytics to kind of drive that insight and action. There's all sorts of levels of automation uh, that we get involved in, and they're all super important. It does change the uh, the operating model, of course it does. But I think there's a real opportunity for the UK here. You know we can play on a slightly more even stage, and I think you know like back to the labor arbitrage model, we can level that up a little bit and actually start to bring things back in-house more so, create more jobs, you know, more skilled jobs in the UK economy. So I think there's a number of reasons why it's a good advantage, you know, California at the moment. We spoke about resilience as well, absolutely, and back to the SMEs as well, you know, you can't be affording relatively large workforce and, and where you've got hits to your workforce through aging population, through social distancing these are just examples right that kind of uh, amplify the effect today so so i think there's positive and negative you know behind automation in the workforce but let's let's face it's inevitable right i think we should embrace it for all those kinds of reasons it does bring a new operating model as well you know we're seeing the advent of the new engineers of the future or the engineers of now really using digital to design new products right so we're seeing a whole you know new workforce using different types of tools, mm-hmm. as well as the mechanical engineering tools, the digital tools to design and to, to innovate and and to try out as well. There's a different operating model. Mm-hmm. As well as in the operational side of, of things, where we've got, I guess, more and more, you know, the idea of the augmented worker where technology is augmenting the workforce in, in, in different shapes and forms.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: uh, you know I think it's uh, I think it's uh, it's interesting times, and uh, we all see it in the way we work and interact. And I think it's opportunistic times for the UK economy to kind of capitalise uh, on this. And maybe you know, we can export some of that expertise as well. There'll be new services that kind of come out of this, right? So mm. I think we should be in a position as the UK economy, leaders in, in this industry in manufacturing, export as well as kind of level up you know, the opportunities uh, in-house and uh, and as export commodity and assets uh, to other countries
0: as well. Brilliant, really interesting stuff. Now, I'd like to finish off just talking a little bit about kind of practical advice. So for folks out there kind of listening, one of the things that I'm really keen on is that all of the content that we produce at Chai contains actionable, truly valuable insight and advice. On the previous episode that we've spoken about a few times, the one with Nick Wright, we spoke a bit about ways to convert non-believers in manufacturing to look at digital technology. We spoke a little bit earlier on about you know, really showing the kind of value and highlighting the business case. But I wonder if there's any other practical advice that you could give to people listening out there about ways to show the value of digital technology in manufacturing and you know, the ways they can really launch projects that matter.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 again, it's a key point. And, and we, as you say at the outset, Nick, we, we spoke about the practicalities. It's no good thinking about trends that don't stick. So there's sort of practical, you know, kind of advice along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would hark back to this kind of, you know, inspire, you know, kind of accelerate. You know, pe- people do want to know a little bit about the art of the possible. I mentioned cross-industry synergies. You know, I, I think there's some practicality there in terms of what related manufacturing industry is doing, yeah. you know, what other industries are doing. I, th- I think there are people that can um, support that conversation. So I think there's a way of inspiring a kind of learning which we, sh- you know, we shouldn't forget. And there are all sorts of organizations that are, are able to do that and kind of tap into that knowledge base and start to, to utilize that knowledge as an asset. I think there's a bit of reaching out and forming your own ecosystem right you know don't be afraid you're not you're not on your own whether you're a 20 person outfit in the midlands or you're a you're a global provider right there's always something you can kind of learn uh, and something you don't have to invent yourself and something that you can do with
2: mm.
1: some way you can glean information uh, and there's con there's more and more kind of conduits to achieving that you know i mentioned the mtc that's kind of one avenue and you know? we'd like to see more people in so i think there's a you know i think there really is that access to knowledge and kind of accelerating your kind of understanding um i mean ultimately you didn't need to try something right so it's okay talking about things you need to kind of get on and do something mm-hmm. you know i think i think the uh the approaches that sort of digital you know digital transformation enables really kind of plays into that you can do things quite quickly and again i think you know there's a lot more emphasis in the uk with what the government's doing around initiatives like Made Smart, for example, what some of the regions are doing. We're working with, for example, Liverpool city region. They're not, they're not unique.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, this, this catalyst for industrial engagement where there's real interventions beyond the talking, it's access to real skills, uh, access to test beds and capabilities where you try things out. So I think there's a real kind of, not just talking about things, or taking advice, there's an environment you can tap into start to do things so i would encourage people to tap into that and try and do something Mm. it's actually trying to do something in a very low risk way somebody else providing the environment you learn a lot about what it means to you and you've got to invest a bit because otherwise it doesn't mean anything so i think there's got to be a bit of skin in the game along the way so i would i would encourage people to, to give something a go but do it in that kind of safe environment way before they deploy it you know, we run the National Center for Additive Manufacturing. And um, additive manufacturing in aerospace, and obviously aerospace is, uh, is, is quite a hit industry at the moment, but, you know, back to efficient ways of doing things, additive manufacturing will be fundamental to the engines, the planes, uh, but across, you know, across industry moving forward. And we recognize the supply chain will be using that technology, but they don't necessarily want to invest in things that they don't know about. So an example of using our own test beds and platforms and capabilities, some of our facilities that we provide. But like I say, there's lots of organizations that do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Wider than MTC across the high value manufacturing catapult chain, for example, but regional things as well that you can tap into. So I think there's some real kind of practicalities about getting going, you know, getting inspired, De risking things as much as you can and actually trying something out, which means you'll learn a lot more about yourself and 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 how you want to progress as well.
0: Absolutely, really interesting stuff. So, just to kind of wrap up, uh, Barry, I don't know if you had any last thoughts, ideas, or, you know, big picture thinking to to share with us. And just as, you know, kind of closing comments, is there anything on your mind at the minute?
1: Well, it's, there's, there's quite a few things, you know, on my mind. We've got, a, you know, we've got a lot of business going on, right? You know, it's yeah. kind of interesting times, isn't it? So, despite the challenges, I think people are getting on with things, and we've got a programme at the moment has been going for a while, which is kind of really interesting. It's called Digiprop. It's working with Doughty Propellers. Mm-hmm. It's an ecosystem play with the MCC and the AMRC up in Sheffield and the National Centre for Kind of combat. So, it's a really ecosystem play, but an in industrial use case and, uh, and a few years ago Doughty's factory um, you know, burnt down uh, in, in Cheltenham, literally a burning platform and they had to do something different. so actually at the time it was right we really need to do something different and we need to act in a certain way and accelerate our thinking and, and build resilience to our smart factory of the future. Mm. So kind of engaging that in the is quite a telling kind of program really. It really is you know using the things I' kind of spoke about you know using uh, expertise that's already there using facilities that are already there to try you know, try things out that mean something to Dowdy, so hooking it back into the business problem, mm-hmm. you know, not just pulling off the easy-to-do things and the shiny things. It's looking at the real manufacturing value chain and how interventions can re really support the efficient use uh, and transformation of their new factory. Right? So I think it's a really good example of, You know acting in the face of you know a a mini catastrophe and kind of responding and sort of phoenix from the planes idea if you like around it so i kind of draw you know quite a lot from that it's really interesting to kind of look at what you know what we're doing and what the partners are doing but it very much is a spirit of kind of getting on with something there's a compelling event around it for them there's a compelling event for a lot of organizations these days which is you know a kind of driving force uh, but, but it's about tapping into that world and those resources that are available and kind of making use of them and reusing them and applying them in different ways so i think we all need to be economic with our assets uh, you know moving forward as well
0: Brilliant. well barry i've really really enjoyed talking to you today i always enjoy our conversations and thank you so much for giving up the time to to come on and talk i guess the last thing to say is you know if anyone is out there looking for some impartial very fair advice on digital technology the role it can play in manufacturing they, they should absolutely absolutely get in touch with you i guess via linkedin
1: absolutely or, yeah
0: or through the mtc website which is the hyphen mtc.org barry thank you very much
1: thanks jake a real pleasure you're a good day
0: you too so that's it for today as always, please do get in touch if you feel like you've got something different to say and you'd like to come on the podcast as a future guest. If you've also got any themes, topics, or people you'd like us to interview in future episodes, again, let me know. My email address is jake at chai-uk.com. If you enjoyed Time for Chai, I'd really appreciate it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Today's podcast was produced by Alejandro Giron of Giron & Co. Podcasting Services. Special thanks to my colleagues Stephen Butler, Chris Evans, and Marcus Dixon. It was written and hosted by myself, Jake Jacobs. Have a great week. See you next time.